Al Jazeera podcast. This has been the scene in the occupied West Bank every night of the temporary ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Palestinians cheer and wave flags as they wait for the arrival of people released from Israeli prison. This is Leith Othman, a 17-year-old who was released on the first night of the ceasefire. The feeling of being free is indescribable, but my happiness is incomplete because many prisoners are left behind. The Palestinian prisoners, most of whom are women and children, were welcomed home by family, friends, and many tears of joy. As more released prisoners made their way through the crowds, they were given a hero's welcome. A defiant celebration over what Palestinians are calling a small moment of victory during a brutal war. They were released as part of the deal that led to the release of some of the captives in Gaza. But these prisoners, and many others, had been in jails long before October 7th. Thousands, including children and young teenagers, are still in Israeli jails, many without charge in what's called an administrative detention. Today, the stories of some of those releases and why thousands more Palestinians are still imprisoned. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I'm Nida Ibrahim. I'm Al Jazeera's correspondent here in the occupied West Bank. Nida has been covering the release of Palestinian prisoners over the past few days. We spoke to her from her home on Tuesday morning. I am home in Ramallah after covering uh, the latest batch of uh, prisoners being released. And it happened at 2 a.m. after a lot of delay. Nida Hibrim is in Ramallah, in the occupied West Bank, where people are waiting for those free prisoners to arrive. We're seeing people coming in by the minute as the news of the bus that has been carrying the prisoners made its way out. And Nida has had many late nights. When the prisoners are released, they come to cities across the West Bank after coordination with a corresponding release of captives in Gaza. It was supposed to start Thursday, then it started on Friday, giving hope to so many families to reunite with their children in Israeli prisons. And those families and friends gathered in celebration to receive their loved ones, some of whom they hadn't seen or heard from since before October 7th. So people were gathering from all across the occupied West Bank, wanting to come to the area near Ofer military prison because they heard that this is where the release is going to happen. But those gatherings were banned by Israel, which controls the occupied West Bank. Israeli forces fired tear gas on the celebrations. And they've been seeing Israeli soldiers intensify their use of tear gas shooting towards Palestinians. Before their release, clouds of white smoke filled the air as Israeli authorities fired tear gas to disperse the crowds. On Monday night, one Palestinian has been killed 
in those confrontations that were taking place between Palestinians and the Israeli forces near the prison. So it was a mix of joy because they're going to be receiving a loved one who has been behind bars. They haven't been hearing from him after October the 7th where visitations have stopped. But also they have this tension because the Israeli forces are shooting towards the Palestinian families and the journalists and the activists who are waiting. And, Neda says, there was an added layer of sadness. Almost everyone I spoke to throughout these four nights was insisting on saying the price was heavy. This is Abdullah Mawad speaking to Al Jazeera. His son was released Sunday night. They have been released with the price of all the martyrs of Gaza and all the destruction that took place in Gaza and all those who are now displaced with no homes. I mean, I'm very happy that my eldest son is here with me, but we find our joy incomplete indeed. The blood that has been spilled in Gaza is not absent on anyone. They believe that this freedom cost too much and the price has been paid this time in Gaza. So there is this feeling of pain, this feeling of gratitude to the sacrifices that the people in Gaza have suffered through. So that's why even mothers, when they were hugging their sons back home, yes, they were joyous. Yes, they were emotional that finally they can get that embrace but also it's not absent on them how much loss and pain and suffering is happening in Gaza. They believe that it took thousands of Palestinians to be killed for the world to notice their suffering under Israel's military occupation. And they believe that one day in uh, Gaza with this relentless bombardment is one day too many. Nida says which Palestinian prisoners would be released was negotiated as part of the terms of the ceasefire deal. So when the deal was struck, it included the agreement to have women and children being released from Hamas captivity. And in exchange of that, at a ratio of one Israeli captive to three Palestinian prisoners, the agreement was that Palestinian Minors and Palestinian teenagers and children are going to be released in addition to women prisoners who have been in jail. So there are so many stories. We're talking about 150 released prisoners. But maybe the common factor that I found in the faces of all of those I've been speaking to in the past four days is the mistreatment they talk about the horror that they've seen. We've been beaten up. We've entered a phase of total isolation. We lived in exile. We left a graveyard. We couldn't get our basic needs as women and as humans. The tap water tastes like chlorine. We used to buy bottled water, but even that became off limits for us. There are prisoners who died. There are prisoners who are not known to us. There are people who are killed. You're talking about 16, 17, 18 years old who have been in prison, sometimes for minor things like throwing rocks at heavily armed Israeli soldiers. Uh, There are charges that include 
terms like endangering the security of the area, which could really mean anything. You had someone I interviewed on Monday night, Mohammed Salhab from Hebron. He has endured four times of administrative detention. This is detention without a charge. And every six months, it gets renewed or every four months, you know, the Israelis can extend that indefinitely. Administrative detention can leave people imprisoned in Israeli jails without charge, trial, or even evidence for years. Nitha spoke to another family whose child faced it. His name is Jawad Kamel. He was released on Monday. We've spoken to his mother earlier before he was arrested and she was saying that she has diabetes, she has high blood pressure, she's really worried about him. He's been in prison uh, since a year now. Uh, He was taken into custody while he was working inside a restaurant inside Israel without a permit. And then when he was released, uh, it, it, it was like as if he was falling, as if he was uh, losing uh, conscious. And then um, she told me, and when I saw her going, rushing to see her son uh, being taken into the ambulance, uh, she was telling me that he has asthma and he needed an inhaler and he couldn't get that inhaler in jail. So when he came out of the bus to the wind, yesterday was really cold, rainy. He uh, stopped being able to breathe. Also, another Palestinian from the Nazal family, the mother was telling me, Salwa, that she has only heard from him once since he has been detained. And soon as he was freed, his hand was in a bandage. And he said that this bandage was only put now by the ICRC who took him. He was saying that he's been beaten up, his hand has been broken inside jail, and he did not get any health or medical care inside prison. They beat me. They broke my finger and arm. I called this morning and the family said that his condition requires a lot of uh, medical attention. We've been hearing to testimonies from those freed prisoners saying that they could not get hot water, that the prisoners have been aggressive against them, beating them up. They've been insisting on using the word revenge that the Israeli prison service has been employing against the Palestinians, beating them up. And again, you can see all of that in their faces. In addition to the mistreatment, Nida heard that soldiers threatened freed Palestinian prisoners about their releases beyond the prison walls. They were told, you are not allowed to have a reception, you're, you're not allowed to meet your friends, so you do not go and find like a hero's welcome. And one of the prisoners, the freed prisoners, said that he was like arguing with him. He asked him, okay, I want to see my friends. And he's like, I will take you back. This is what the officer told him. And already we've seen one prisoner of those who have been freed being asked uh, to go and meet the Israeli intelligence. He's been summoned by the Israeli intelligence. He has been released in the past four days. Already have to go back and deal with that potential arrest. So long as they live under Israel's military occupation, no one is free. 
no one is safe from getting re-arrested. After the break, why so many people were in detention in the first place and what Palestinian leadership has been doing about it. The Inside Story podcast dissects, analyzes, and helps define major global stories. We get into the details with experts who explain how policies affect people. The Inside Story podcast by Al Jazeera. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. The demand for the release of Palestinians from Israeli prisons isn't a new one. Even before October 7th, Hamas had been demanding that Israel release prisoners. Basically, some of those inside Israeli jails have no chance of getting to freedom if it's not for exchange deals. And we've heard that from female prisoners and women prisoners saying, as soon as we heard that Hamas took some Israelis into captivity, we knew that we're going to be freed. And that goes back to a previous exchange deal, Nida says. Specifically the one that happened in 2011, when more than 1,000 Palestinian prisoners have been released as a part of releasing the Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit from Hamas's captivity. Gilad Shalit, the Israeli soldier captured by Palestinian militants, back in Israel now with his family. The price of his freedom is the release of more than 1,000 Palestinian prisoners. So the idea that Hamas had, since it already had captured a soldier and managed to secure the release of more than 1,000 prisoners earlier, the idea is if Israel keeps imprisoning Palestinians then they'll find a way to get them out of prisons. And the issue of prisoners, Nida says, is of high importance in Palestinian society. There are more than 10,000 Palestinians currently held in Israeli detention. Of the ones who have been convicted of crimes, there's a wide range, from bombings and stabbings to attempted murders of Israelis, as well as stone-throwing or not having the right permit, as Neda mentioned. You would barely find a home who does not know someone or have someone who was in prison or is imprisoned currently. Since 1967, Israeli forces have been rounding up Palestinians inside Israeli jails. They're in, they're out. They're, so the whole story is of big importance to Palestinians because they, their sons, their daughters are in Israeli prisons. But also, there's a high conviction rate in those military courts in which Palestinians are tried in, including minors. So sometimes Palestinians are forced to sign plea deals that ensure a faster trial time and admit to things that they haven't done because they know with the high conviction rate, more than 98%, that they're going to stay in jail anyways, so they might as well speed up the process since the ultimate goal and the ultimate end is the same. But also, Palestinians consider those prisoners to be fighters for freedom because when you talk to them, they tell you that Israel is an occupying power, has been taking lands and 
complicating people's lives, killing Palestinians for decades. So they believe it's a right and a duty for them to fight Israel's occupation and to try and liberate themselves. For them, they say, you cannot expect us to be silent when not only are the Israeli forces raiding our villages and homes, taking our sons, uh, taking more of our lands to give them to settlers, but also now they're fighting uh, heavily armed Israeli settlers who are attacking Palestinians. And since October 7th, all of that violence has only escalated. As for the Palestinian prisoners, those numbers have increased too. Israel has released 150 people, but detentions since October 7th have soared. So we asked Nida what the picture of Palestinian prisoners looks like now and how it's changed in the last seven weeks. The numbers of prisoners change every day, change every hour. The Israelis have released 117 Palestinians in the last three days. And that same time, they've detained 116 new Palestinian prisoners in areas across the occupied West Bank. According to the latest numbers we got from the Palestinian Prisoner Society, they're talking about more than 3,200 Palestinians who have been detained just since October the 7th. Some of them have been let go. Some of them have been taken into administrative detention. Many of them, when they were arrested, were told by the Israeli officers that they are accused of incitement. And that included journalists who were sharing news of what's happening. The fact that Israel could arrest thousands of people and is releasing some of them as part of the deal tells you a lot about the power that Israel has over the Palestinians. You know, while Hamas will run out of captives to conduct a swap deal in, the Israelis can capture people and and arrest people every day, every minute, every hour. So it can tell you a lot about the situation on the ground, but also, again, even if those people get released, they might get rearrested again. So there's no guarantee whatsoever that they're going to be freed for good. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Farinisa Campana and Chloe K. Lee with Miranda Lynn, Sariyat Khalili, Sonia Bagat, Khalid Sultan, David Enders, Ashish Mahotra, Amy Walters, Nikin Oliayi, Zaina Bezer, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>